Welcome back to this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast, where we invite on Seattle area business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to share their stories with us. I'm your host, Christian Harris. This week's episode of the Seatown Podcast is brought to you by Seatown Real Estate. Their mission is to make an impact by embedding excellence and giving into everything they do. Visit seatown.com. That's S-E-A-Town.com to see how their unconventional approach and community partnership with local nonprofits are making a difference for their agents, their clients, and their community. Experience the difference with Seatown Real Estate. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Seatown Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Danielle Marchioro, uh, the new executive director of the Highland Medical Center Foundation, which uh, raises money for the medical center and its patients in Burien. Uh, thanks for joining us, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Cool. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, about the Highline Medical Center Foundation uh, and, and what they do and then what you do specifically there? Sure, absolutely. So I started with Highline, with the Highline Medical Center Foundation about three and a half months ago and um, was brought on to lead the fundraising efforts and networking out in the community just to promote our mission, which is to bring quality health care and access to everyone in our community. So that community really is, um, the hospital is located in Burien, but the surrounding communities of White Center, West Seattle, Des Moines, Normandy Park, and the SeaTac area is where we are serving patients okay uh, so, I mean so far what's what's been the, the biggest uh, way you've been kind of getting the awareness out there that you guys exist and you support the community and you know, how people can, can use those services yeah absolutely well I think the one of the most <clears throat> important parts of my job is just getting out into the community so meeting with as many people as possible um, I joined the West Seattle Rotary and have met a lot of wonderful people uh, through that and just networking with our board members and trying to get connected and plugged into different groups in the um, southwest community of Seattle so a lot of time away from my desk, which is a good day when I'm out and about talking sure. with people and sharing the story of the foundation and what we do at the hospital. So gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Trying to get on podcasts like this. Yeah. Trying to, trying, to, trying to get the word out <laughs> via every medium. So for sure. Um, now looking over your, your bio, it seems mm -hmm. like you've lived in quite a few places. Yeah. Uh, I've only been in Seattle for a, a few years now, mm -hmm. but um, what... You know, you were in San Diego, Germany, Denver, and now you settled here. Uh, what, what kind of took you to all those, those different places? Sure. So I'm originally from Spokane, Washington, born and raised there, and uh, moved to San Diego for college. So I went to the University of San Diego and um, loved my four years at the beach down there. And after college, I just kind of wasn't really certain of what I wanted to do yet, and I knew I wanted to be in the nonprofit sector, but um, wanted to take a little bit of time to do something different and do some traveling. I had studied abroad on Semester at Sea, which is a program where you live on a ship and we circumnavigated the globe and went to 10 countries. And so I had the travel bug to sure, say the sure. least. Um, and I had this wonderful professor at the University of San Diego who was a retired naval captain and he had kind of worked to start this program called Camp Adventure where um, they would send college students for summer internships or fall or spring internships to different military bases around the world to kind of help with childcare or lifeguarding, that type of thing. So I did a fall internship with the U.S. Department of Defense and I taught preschool on a U.S. Army base in Germany, okay. um, in Illesheim, Germany, very small base. Um, 
right outside of Nuremberg and just lived there for seven months and made some of my closest friends and traveled every weekend, taught preschool during the week. So it was a wonderful experience. Um, and after that kind of wrapped up, I felt like I needed to get my life going and get a real job. Um, although I wish I would have stayed longer because there's no need to come back to the real world that quickly. Sure. Um, and so I actually did move to Seattle after that and was ready to start my life back in Washington, being closer to family, but not all the way home. Yeah. And uh, just could not find a job in the nonprofit sector. And so I thought, well, if I'm gonna move anywhere or try anything new, now's the time and so my best friend from college and I said let's move to Denver and we picked up and moved there and I thought I'd be there a year and I ended up being there five and that's really where my career in nonprofit started and really took off so um, I was there for five years and then thought it was time to if I was going to move back closer to home then it was time after five years so now I'm settled back in Washington and a drive away from my parents and my sisters and their kids and all of my family and so that's been really wonderful to be able to drive home instead of be sure. a three-hour flight so yeah yeah for sure so after kind of finishing up your your, your time in Denver what ultimately brought you back to Seattle I'm mean, like there's a lot of cities in Washington, you know? Yes. So I knew that I wanted to be back in Seattle when I had lived here for just about nine months before I moved to Denver. I just really felt a connection to the city. I love being by the water. Um, that was something I definitely miss living in Colorado and being so landlocked. Um, and so when I started looking at moving home, I applied for some jobs here in uh, Seattle and ended up getting a job um, and taking an opportunity with the American Heart and Stroke Association. So I packed up my life in Denver and put it all in one of those pods. And then I took a two week trip to Rome, Italy nice. by myself yeah. and then ended up here. So okay. uh, it's just uh, a wonderful city and I've really enjoyed kind of creating roots here. and. Yeah just getting involved in the community so okay. you see yourself here long term yes I do yeah what, uh, what do you love most about, about Seattle well I love the water uh, my fiance and I are boat people he has a boat so we are always out in Puget Sound crabbing and fishing nice. and just taking advantage of the nice days that we have which today is a nice day so mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm thankful for that yep. um, I, I just love the natural beauty with the mountains and um, I just think Seattle is such an eclectic and changing city and every year it looks different to me and yeah. it kind of just gives me energy and um, I just think it's so vibrant and everyone that comes to visit me here just falls in love with the city even on the rainiest days it's hard to not love Seattle and feel sure. um, like it's a great place to work and live and raise a family so yeah very cool uh, what um Congratulations on your recent engagement, by the way. Oh, thank very you. Exciting. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. I uh, met my fiance Brian about three weeks after I moved to Seattle, and he's originally from Vashon, so right. he has roots here in the community. And um, so, yeah, we're getting married in September. Nice, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when when you have uh, friends that visit Seattle, what are the your favorite things to to do here? 
Sure. So we live um, just right up from the Fauntleroy Ferry, and so we're right up from Lincoln Park, and I love taking friends to Lincoln Park and walking right along the water there. Uh, We like going out on the boat and boating to Bainbridge for dinner or into Lake Washington. So it's fun to kind of be able to give people that experience from the water. Looking back at the city, it's just a totally different viewpoint that I think uh, we're lucky to be able to show people. Um, So that would be one of the main things. I love eating and, you know, going out and trying new restaurants and bars. And so, um, you know, when I first moved to Seattle about a year and a half ago, I thought, oh, I'll be in the city every weekend going out to eat or meeting friends or whatever. But there's so much here in West Seattle, It's you don't even realize it, but you don't leave on some weekends and you're just here and right. it's wonderful. So lots lots to do in West Seattle and um, yeah, just eating and going out. Sure. That's great. What uh, so, so kind of going back to uh, what you do in the, the nonprofit world at you know, Highline Medical Center uh, Foundation, what, what do you love most about, about your role there? Well, I absolutely have loved just um, finding my footing at Highline Medical Center, and it's a really unique opportunity that I'm in to be able to go out into the community and fundraise for the foundation. So um, what what we are fundraising for specifically is for patients that come through our doors at the hospital, um, for improving patient experience, whether that's getting new equipment for the hospital that is, you know, state-of-the-art or... Um, leading technologies or um, you know we have a program that's called the clothing closet uh, we see a lot of homeless people coming through our emergency department and a lot of times they're they don't have the clothes necessary for our weather conditions and so um, as the foundation we fundraise and keep a full stocked closet so if somebody comes in and they don't have shoes or they don't have a winter coat and it's December we gift that to them and um, kind of help them with their basic needs. Um, We also fund things like comfort carts, which happens with our hospice or palliative care, so end of life. Um, Comfort carts are something that uh, we love to be able to offer to families. It basically is just a cart that's wheeled into the room that has tissue and snacks and waters, coffee, tea, things so that family members don't have to leave the room if they have a loved one that's on hospice or that is um, near death. And it's just a really nice way for them to feel like the hospital cares about their experience, um, regardless of if the outcome is not what you know you would want to see. Um, And so I think in my role, uh, I've just loved the uniqueness of being able to go out into the community and fundraise and then to turn around and grant the money to the hospital. So doctors or nurses can identify an area of need within the hospital and they fill out a grant and grant request and send it to me and to the foundation and we are able to review that and see you know, with along with our board of directors, who should receive the funding. So, for example, this week we had um, a low-income cancer patient who, whose doctor at the cancer center wrote a grant for um, their rent for the month of May uh, because he has a large family and is not able to work right now because he's undergoing treatment. And so, it's just a really wonderful. Uh, place to be where you're fundraising and then you can turn around and grant the money to people that need it most that we see within our walls at the hospital and um, it's just the 
closest I've ever been to any mission that I've worked for, if that makes sense. At a lot of other nonprofits I work for, you know, we raise money for research and education and I fully believe in research and education, but it's sometimes it seems so far away sure. because research projects take years and years and billions of dollars to bring a dr- new drug to market, that kind of thing. But I think what we're doing in the foundation of the hospital is so tangible and you can really feel it and you can see it and we can turn things around very quickly if we have a patient in need or a department that, you know, their camp nuclear camera goes out or something happens, we can come in and kind of help to uh, expedite and streamline the process of funding for them. Sure. That's great. You guys are able to be so kind of on the ground. Yes. You know, that quick turnaround. You yes. Can, like, see the patients that are, you know, getting the, the help versus kind of this Absolutely. bigger picture. You're not really mm-hmm. able to interact with the people you're, you're helping, you know, yeah. the bigger organization. Yeah. And it's all local. All of the dollars raised stay in the community, stay at the hospital. Um, and so that's a really great thing to be able to share with donors and people who are interested in donating to the foundation and to the hospital. It's every dollar that is given to the foundation stays right in the community where you live and work and where you want to see your funds being used. Sure. Um, the If you guys ever have like a need that you're not able to uh, to meet, do you have partnerships with other you know, local nonprofits you know, for that kind of stuff? Or? Yes. So we have um, a couple of programs at the hospital that are really exciting and interesting, and we can talk about Highline Health Connections, but um, we work closely with other medical clinics and um, are trying to form relationships with other nonprofits out in the community who are doing some of the same things that we're doing, or um, I'm really big on trying to find new partners that we can kind of weave into some of our programs. And uh, so that's been really fun to meet and get to know other nonprofits in the community because all of us are working with the same population sure. and um, a lot of the same people. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, what, what did you find most surprising or unexpected uh, when you first started in, in this role? Sure. So this was my first experience working in a hospital setting. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, most people want to stay as far away from a hospital as possible, right? That means you're healthy and that for the most part, things are good. Um, But I think I've just been totally surprised and blown away by the teamwork that goes on at a hospital or medical center. Every single department depends on the next department to do their job and to deliver high quality healthcare. I mean, down to, um, you know, the facilities department making sure that the rooms are clean within a certain amount of time and um, every single department relies on each other to kind of bring together this puzzle and create the best patient experience possible and um, we have these huddles every morning where everyone's kind of talking about um, there's a safety huddle where they're talking about different needs in their department if they have somebody out or if they have a machine that's you know down or it wi-fi is down or something like that and it's just so cool to see the way that everybody works together to solve those problems and um and so I, I, that's something I never thought about, not working in a hospital space sure. and coming into that. It's pretty remarkable to see how everyone works together to make sure that the patients are being cared for in the best possible way. Sure. Uh, so I mean, considering, you know, your background and wanting to get into the, to work in the nonprofit space, what, what was kind of that big motivator? Was there kind of a aha moment when you realized that's, that's kind of your calling or? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I grew up um, with both of my parents working and my dad ran a nonprofit for 30 years in Spokane and they were a job placement, resume building organization. They taught high school dropouts to get their GEDs and um, and my mom ran the paratransit van public uh, sector of public transportation for Spokane Transit Authority. So they were both in jobs that were challenging but very rewarding and they worked with populations that really needed help and um, I think I was in college when my dad retired and I uh, flew home for his retirement party and so many people stood up and talked about how his work had just impacted their lives or their children's lives and finding them jobs and um, and kind of connecting the dots for people who needed help and at the time, I was a communication major, and I was considering a minor in nonprofit management, and that was really when I said, okay, I'm going to go all in on this, because when I retire, I want to feel that way, that my life's work meant something and had an impact on people, and so um, so I started down that path, and I got my first job with a nonprofit um, at the Multiple Sclerosis Society, and it just kind of took off from there, and loved fundraising, loved the relationship aspect of learning why people are passionate about different causes and and where their passions lie within research or education or specific funding and it just kind of went from there yeah that's awesome that at such a young age you realize like find that passion Mm -hmm. and have direction for what you want to do i know it's pretty common for for youngsters these days to kind of meander yes yeah try to figure out what they want to do with their life and right no it's uh it's been such an interesting journey and um you know, I just fully believe that everything happens for a reason and each job leads you to the next job. And, um, you know, I there are a lot of people along the way who really helped me out and who really gave me a leg up and believed in me and um, trusted me and gave me positions that maybe I wasn't yet ready for. But um, it's just been an incredible journey. And I'm obviously so happy where I've ended up now and where I'm at right now. So. Sure. Uh, what, what were some of the things you're able to kind of bring forward and, and you've learned uh, kind of in the, in the first couple jobs in the nonprofit world that you're able to implement, you know, that, that experience that you're able to bring to, to your yeah. current job? I think listening. I think that that's the most important thing for fundraisers to listen to people and understand why they give to a specific nonprofit or to a specific mission and what kind of fuels them to do that. And I think you learn a lot from just listening to people and understanding where they're coming from. And, um, and I think that that is the way that you can be successful because you can really pick up on little things that could make a big difference down the road. Um, for example, if someone says that they're interested in a specific type, learning about a specific type of cancer that one of their loved ones, you know, passed away from or something like that, just keeping them in the loop when research come, new research comes out or new treatments comes out. Um, and so it's a lot of listening and then remembering those tidbits of information and really being intentional with the the information that you're giving to them and um, finding a perfect fit for them and and making them understand the impact of their gift or their donation. Sure. So I think that that was something I learned pretty early on um, and was able to translate into every nonprofit job I've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, was, uh, was there any particular you know, mentor or, or boss or, or something along the way that kind of gave you uh, 
kind of some you know some really good advice that, that you'd want to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I he he was kind of my angel in Denver. I moved there and was um, working a couple jobs, trying to find a job within the nonprofit sector. And um, this man named Press Askew was a friend, <laughs> my friend's mom's friend. Okay. So very you know not a very close connection, but. Um, <laughs> He uh, knew everybody in Denver and he took the time to meet with me for coffee and I don't know what he saw in me, but he really believed in me and gave me quite a few opportunities and introduced me to so many people. And I remember I said, I don't know, press, I'm interested in grant writing, I'm interested in event fundraising, major gifts. I was kind of all over the board, like you're saying, as a young person right out of college, I knew I wanted to be in the nonprofit world, but there's so many directions you can take that. And he just said, you might be good at writing, but your real skill is talking to people and relationship building and networking. And so don't pigeonhole yourself into grant writing. And that was a real um, incredible thing for him to say because he was right. And I, I could have done grant writing and that could have been it. But I think really having somebody believe in me and tell me that and say, no, this is this should be your path was really helpful. Um, and he just continues to support me and, um, has just been such an influence on my life. So that's that's awesome. You're able to have, you know, that, that network of supporters around you to, as you move forward with your, your nonprofit career. Um, speaking of grant writing, what's, what are some of the the main ways that Highline Medical Center Foundation raises money, does fundraising? So, um, major gifts, which is individual donors. Um, grant writing is a big one, and we have some really incredible, we have a really incredible program that we're currently doing a lot of grant writing for that I can touch on in a minute. Um, we do an employee campaign and a physician's campaign, um, direct mail where we're mailing past donors, and then we have our big fundraising event, that's our gala, and it's coming up on October 20th this year. And um, this is actually the 60th year anniversary for Highline Medical Center. So we're very excited to celebrate that at the gala this year. And we're going to be bringing back some people who were around when the hospital opened and who were around 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and just taking a look at you know, the medical center opened as Burien General Hospital and how it's evolved over the years and where we're going into the future, entering into an expansion of the medical center. And so we have a lot to celebrate at the gala this year, but that's our big fundraising event. Sure. So it's awesome. If, uh, if our listeners are, are interested in, in helping or getting, yeah. getting involved, uh, what's, what's kind of the best way to to do that. Absolutely. Well, I'm always um, open to meet with people and chat about different ways to get involved. We have a gala committee that helps us with the gala and we have um, board openings available, but the best way to kind of Get, gather the information is to visit our website, which is www.chifranciscan.org slash Highline Foundation. Um, and so CHI um, is our parent company, and that is why it's chifranciscan.org and then backslash Highline Foundation. Um, so as we're kind of wrapping up the interview, uh, maybe you could share with us like uh, one, one thing that really stands out about uh, 
something that's unique about what Highline Medical Center Foundation is doing, something you could kind of uh, emphasize for us? Sure. We have an incredible program at Highline Medical Center that is grant funded and funded through gifts from individual donors in the community, and it's called Highline Health Connections. And it is a program that we are super excited about in the foundation because it's just a really innovative individual approach to healthcare. Um, and so basically this program started because we took a look at overutilizers of the emergency department. We had people who were coming into the ER 40, 50 times a year. Um, and when you look at what that cost is to the healthcare system, to the individual, mm -hmm. what that means for other people who are in the emergency department that need a bed, um, it's really kind of astronomical. And um, actually Malcolm Gladwell wrote uh, an article for the New York Times called Million Dollar Murray, and it's kind of an article and story of a man whose homelessness and alcoholism cost the Nevada taxpayers over $1 million um, in 10 years. And so when we were looking at the overutilizers for our emergency department, it was uh, evident that there were opportunities there to work with these individuals to get them kind of on the right track to be their own healthcare advocates. So what Highline Health Connections does is it pairs participants who opt into this program, who are considered overutilizers of the emergency department, um, with a community health worker or a case manager who sits down with them and says, okay, why did you have 16 ER visits last year and three overnight stays? Um, and how can we work to keep that from happening? And so what was found is a lot of these people and overutilizers are using the emergency department as their primary care. Um, you know, it's hard enough for me to navigate my own health insurance and I have great coverage. I work for a hospital system. Um, but People have a really hard time navigating the healthcare system. If you don't have insurance, the emergency room can't turn you away. And so we're pairing these participants with community health workers who are addressing all of their needs, who are looking at their whole health and saying, what is the thing that you are visiting the emergency room for? For a lot of people, it's asthma related, it's um, cardiac events and diabetes. Mm -hmm. So what are the barriers to you having your best health? Um, and some of these people are deciding between paying for their medicine and paying for food for their family. And so there's a lot of need there, but the community health workers help navigate the system for them to get their medicine, to get on track, to get them connected to a primary care doctor so that they're not waiting till the last minute and then they have to come to the emergency room sure. or using the emergency room as primary care. Mm -hmm. um, and this program has just proven to be so successful. It's been running for three years. And I just think of the community health workers as absolute angels. They're going out to these people's homes. Mm -hmm. We have a f quite a few homeless participants that they are actively working with to get them housing, to figure out what those roadblocks are to them being in good health and working with them and other nonprofits, other organizations um, to get them the care that they need. And actually the program has proved to be so successful that we just wrote a grant to encompass a mental and behavioral health aspect. So our community health workers were finding that um, all of the participants had their primary need and primary concern, which was some sort of physical health 
ailment. Mm-hmm. But secondary to that was is a lot of mental health issues, addiction, sure. um, and behavioral health problems that needed addressing. So we're hoping if we get the grant um, approval that we can bring on a psychiatrist to this program so we can really have a holistic approach to these participants' health and looking at what we can do to make sure that they take control of their health care and are their own advocates and sure. connecting them with the services that they need. Okay. Um, so it's very dynamic. It's a very unique approach to healthcare, care, and um, we're really excited about it and really excited about growing this program in, in our community. That's awesome. So it sounds like the opt-in rate's been very high, been well-received, and very effective. Yes, definitely. We, um, you know, one of our kind of case study stories was this man who had 16 hospital or ER visits, three hospitalizations in 2016, and he got connected up with Health Connections program. And in 2017, he had zero overnight stays and zero ER visits. And when you think about what that means for his medical bills, Mm -hmm. for the hospitals, you know, uh, availability to take on other patients who are coming in the doors who are having an emergency, um, it's just a win-win all around. And, um, and we just have a lot of really great advocates who have gone through the program who are so grateful and thankful for those very patient and understanding and wise community health workers who are really the boots on the ground in the community working to make our community a healthy, safe place. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad I was able to, to have you on as a yeah. guest and, and hopefully get you know the word out about Highline Medical Center Foundation to... Uh, to the general Seattle population. Uh, is there anything you want to uh, leave us with uh, before we can sign off here? Um, no, I just, I am so appreciative of your time and I'm excited to meet more uh, community members and work with other nonprofits and organizations in the community to continue to make West Seattle and Southwest Seattle a healthy and safe place to live and work and play, so. Indeed. Um, I will make sure to link uh, you know the references, including the, uh, the the million dollar Murray article that you mentioned uh, in the show notes. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you, find out more about the foundation. Uh, how can they do that? Yes. Okay, you can give me a call at two zero six nine zero one. 8505. I'm happy to speak with anyone who has any further questions or shoot me an email at dmarchioro, M-A-R-C-H-I-O-R-O at highlinemedical.org. And hopefully you can maybe include that too. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm happy to uh, meet or come out to your company or organization and talk to you a little bit more about the exciting things that are coming up at Highline Medical Center. Very good. Well, thank you for your time, Daniel. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully this proves uh, effective in getting getting the word out there to our community. Great. Thank you. Thank you. That wraps up this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast. Make sure to check out our guest's website, pay them a visit, and help spread the word about what they're doing. If you have any questions, know someone who should be a guest on here or has a story worth sharing, email me at christianharris at seatown.com. That's S-E-A-town.com. I would also be honored if you could go to iTunes and give us a review and a nice five-star rating. We work hard to bring on great guests and provide exceptional content, and getting a review from you is one way to help the podcast rank well in iTunes so others can find and enjoy the show as well. You can also find out more about me, how my real estate brokerage and our unconventional approach can help you with your Seattle area real estate needs, or other projects I'm working on by visiting seatown.com, S-E-A-town.com. Today's intro and outro music is brought to you by the Fascination Movement. 
You can find their albums in the iTunes store. The Seatown podcast creator and host is Christian Harris. You can listen to more episodes and find our show notes on our website at seatownpodcast.com. This has been a Seatown Media production.